But uh, when I growing up, when somebody's having revival, my daddy thought you ought to go. And uh, we didn't go on Sunday and Wednesday. We went Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Where I grew up, I grew up in L.A. You said, you grew up in L.A.? Yes, sir. Grew up in L.A. If my daddy was here tonight, he'd tell you that. Grew up in L.A., but it's not the one you're thinking about. It has nothing to do with California. It's lower Alabama. And, uh, and so... So uh, we'd, go to, we'd go to revival, and in our part of the world, everybody had revival the same week. Our week was the third week in June, a little country church I grew up in. You had to have revival the third week of June. Didn't have a third week of June. God didn't show up any other time, and uh, so you had to have it the third week of June. And uh, so I grew up going to church all my life and uh, never knew I was going to be a preacher. Wasn't planning on being a preacher, but thank God he allows me to preach his word, and what a wonderful privilege it is to be here tonight at Calvary Baptist Church. Sharon and I have looked forward. My dear wife's with me. She's sitting over there with the Steelmans. And she and I have been married just a little over 43 years now. And uh, we have two boys and one normal child. And uh, we're grateful for all three of them. And uh, they've given us eight beautiful grandchildren. My wife calls them cute kids. And they all have a number. Cute kid one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. And so when you tell the cute kids we're going to take a picture, they get in chronological birth order uh, because that's the way Nana calls them out. And uh, so, uh, but we're glad to be here, glad to be Russell and Terry. We're sorry they're here instead of Beacon, but uh, it's all right. Some people have to leave the will of God and go other places. So, no, I'm joking. And uh, we're glad they found a good place. And uh, we're glad they're here with you. And thank you, Brother Pope. I really appreciate the honor to preach in your pulpit and just grateful for what God has done here. He was sharing with us at supper tonight, had a great meal. Uh, Russell cooked steaks, Terry cooked chicken and a bunch of vegetables, and it was all good, all right? And uh, you can't go wrong cooking chicken for preachers, amen? Uh, we've been trying to get rid of all them preachers. The rooster told on Peter, and we tried to get rid of every chicken since then, all right? And, uh, but, uh, but it was good, and we enjoyed it, and we enjoyed the Steelmans, and, but enjoyed being with your preacher, Miss Tammy. It was just a wonderful time of fellowship together. Just tell me about the meeting back in March, how God moved in here, and it's wonderful to know that God is God, and he always will be God. And uh, I'm grateful and thankful uh, for that, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here tonight. I don't know about you, but over the years, I've tried to stay away from negative people. How many of you, you just try to stay away from, you know, negative people drain you. I mean, they, 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 you can be having the greatest day of your life and get around some person who sees the glass half empty instead of half full, and the next thing you know, you, there ain't no water in the glass at all. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, for the last two and a half years, I've been trying to stay away from people who tested positive. <clears throat> You'll get that in a few minutes, all right? But anyway... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go too deep too quick, okay? And, uh, but anyway, I, uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here and thankful uh, for the opportunity. I want you to take your Bible, please, and go into the book of Matthew. The gospel according to Matthew, we're going to the 26th chapter of Matthew's gospel. While you're turning there, let me say this. You know, I've found over the years that God's blessing is found at one intersection. That intersection is Truth Avenue and Submission Street. And so as God's truth is given to us, you and I submit ourselves to that truth, we're right at the place where God can bless us. And I pray that tonight, that would be that kind of night in your life and my life as we're together in this place, 
in this hour. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand. We're in the 26th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. I'll take my glasses on and off. Don't let that make you nervous. I uh, lost vision in my right eye a few months, a couple months ago. Had an ulcer on my cornea and still have a pretty bad scar. And so I am uh, I'm just can't work these progressive lenses very well. So I take them off so I can read my Bible. I put them on so I see you. So when my glasses aren't on, you can do anything you want to do. Basically, I can't tell what you're doing. Uh, but, uh, but when I have them on, now don't, don't be misbehaving. All right. So we're in Matthew chapter 26. Look with me, please, at verse number six, would you please? It says, now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he set it meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Now verse 13. Verily, I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Would you mind reading out loud together with me that 13th verse? Because it is a very pivotal verse in the scriptures. Would you read it with me? You ready? Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for this occasion that we can gather around your word in this hour. I thank you for Calvary Baptist Church. I thank you for Pastor Steve Pope, his dear wife, Tammy. I pray your blessings on them as they lead these good people. And I pray, Spirit of God, tonight would be a night where we would come to Truth Avenue with a submissive spirit and that tonight would be a night where each of us would know your blessings as we submit to your truth. And I pray, O oh Spirit of God, you'd help me as the preacher. I want to be faithful to say what should be said. I don't want to say anything more and anything less. But Lord, I pray that your spirit tonight would strive with all of our hearts so that when we leave here, we can indeed say it has been good to be in your house. Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in our lives we ask it all in the precious name of your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. If you're familiar with the gospel accounts of the life of the Lord Jesus, four of them given to us, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know that here in the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew, we have come to what I believe is the climax of human history. 
everything that has happened from the day of creation unto the moment that we are now reading about here in the 26th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Everything has been building to that moment, to that hour, when the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God of glory, would come to this world and would become a sacrifice for our sins. Paul said it this way, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And all of history is coming to that climatic moment when Jesus would die on the cross, he would bear your sins and my sins on the, in his own body on the tree and he would make a way so that we, the sons of sin, could become the sons of God. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus loved you and he loved me enough that he was willing to go to the cross, he was willing to die, he was willing to suffer in my stead, he was willing to take my hell and die for me. But the good news is death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. But on that third morning, he come up out of there gloriously, victoriously, and triumphantly. And because he lives, we too can live. Well, in that moment, that week that we often refer to as the Passion Week, we have the events of our text this evening. We have Jesus in a town, we'll come back and talk about it in a moment, by the name of Bethany, they're just outside on the eastern side of Jerusalem at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And um, he's at a supper. And a woman comes in to that supper. And she breaks the neck of an alabaster box of ointment and anoints the body of Jesus. Now, she understood what was happening. Now, our text tells us what was happening. You're there in the 26th chapter of Matthew. Would you look back up in verse number one? It says, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings. What are these sayings? These sayings are what we often refer to as the Olivet Discourse, chapter 24 and 25 of Matthew, where Jesus answered the question of his disciples, tell us when these things shall be and what shall be the sign of thy coming. And Jesus gave them what we know as the Olivet Discourse. Now, when he had finished all those things, look what Jesus said, verse two. You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Isn't it interesting? You and I know that those men never really understood what he said, though he at least on at least four occasions told his disciples that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be buried, and that he was going to be raised again from the dead, but they never got a hold of it. Here he tells them right here, and we'll realize that they didn't even get a hold of it at this moment. Now, verse three tells us what's happening behind the scenes. Look at verse three. Then assembled together the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people in the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast days, lest there be an uproar among the people. So, so the plot is going on. Uh, Judas, one of the 12, has most likely at this point already bargained with the Sanhedrin to betray him. And this woman comes in and she anoints his body. He says, for my burial. And then he makes the statement that we read together in verse 13 a moment ago. A, a statement that really is astounding when you think about it. He said, this one act 
that this woman hath done, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, this one act will be told as a memorial for her. Now you think about all that happened in the life of Jesus while he was here on earth. Lots of things happened, but, but about none of those things did Jesus say, this is going to be repeated, 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 repeated. But he said, this thing that this woman hath done will be told as a memorial for her. If you're in a habit of underlining your Bible, I suggest you underline that word memorial and maybe right beside it somewhere in your Bible, write this, permanent monument. That's what the word memorial means. Permanent monument. And listen to me. I know it's true because Jesus said it, but I know it's true because here we are doing it again. Here we are 2,000 years later, 6,000 miles from where it happened. There was no ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, Fox. There was no, there was no TikTok. There was no Twitter. There was no Facebook Live. There, 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 listen, none of those things were there. And what this woman did that day, we're gonna talk about it again tonight. Do you understand that there are some things you and I do that will be talked about long after we're gone? See, the reality is this. Every one of us is leaving a legacy every day. If your funeral's held in this building, they'll probably bring your body here, lay it right here in front of this pulpit and folks will come by. And you know what they'll do? They'll remember you. They'll remember you. Can I ask you this question that I want you to ask yourself? How will you be remembered? What are you gonna be remembered for? How will you be remembered? We remember this lady by this act that she did. And, and you're going to be remembered and I'm going to be remembered one day. The story unfolds in three segments. I want you to see them with me. First of all, we see the demonstration. We're in Bethany, verse six tells us. Jesus is in the house of Simon the leper. Now, now, can I go ahead and tell you something? He ain't a leper no more. Because <laughs> if he'd have been a leper then, he couldn't have been in his own house. If he'd have been the leper then, he couldn't have been in his own village. If he'd have been a leper then, listen to me, he couldn't have been there in the feast and the festivities. I don't know when and I don't know where, but somewhere Simon before this event had met Jesus. And I believe the reason that they're there in Simon's house is because Simon had been healed of leprosy by Jesus and I believe he's called in his family and he called in his friends. There may be 30, there may be 40, there may be 50 people that are there in the house, but I believe Simon's called them in there and he's called them in there for this purpose. He said, I wanted you to all come and I wanted you to meet the reason I'm here. His name is Jesus. Wow. Can you imagine Simon's testimony as he tells? What, what, I, wonder if, I wonder if he was one of those 10. Huh? I don't know. 
But, but I tell you what else, who else is there? L leave a Bible marker, Matthew 26, because we're going to be there a lot, but we're going to be in another passage too a lot. Go with me to John chapter 12, would you please? So leave you a Bible marker either in Matthew 26 or John 12. Now I want you to see who, who else is there. V verse one says that Jesus came to Bethany. So we're talking about the same incident. Where's Bethany? Bethany's where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. See, Bethany was that hometown. You remember of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Maybe the dearest friends Jesus had on earth beside the 12. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. So I want you to see it. Keep reading with me. You're in verse two, John 12. There they made him a supper. They made Jesus a supper. Doesn't tell us it's in Simon's house, but I believe it's the same occasion. And Martha served. Now listen to me, that's usually where Martha was found. You remember Luke chapter 10? She was so concerned that she was serving and Mary wasn't. She was cumbered about much serving is what the gospel tells us. She's serving. Someone has said then it must have, she must have been married to Simon. I don't know that. She could have been. Simon could have been their dad. I don't know. It's Simon's house. Martha's in the kitchen, so you would think they're related somehow. But look at John 12. You're John 12, look at verse two. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Hey, listen, get it now. They're sitting at the table. They're eating supper. They get through eating supper. I don't know what they ate. They may have ate like we did tonight. Steak and chicken, mashed taters, green beans, fried okra. No, we didn't have that tonight. But anyway, I like fried okra. And uh, Back before I was declared a diabetic, I used to love red velvet cake. Ooh, I can't wait till the new Jerusalem when Jesus takes the sugar out. Woo, that's gonna be good, all right? They got through eating supper. Simon says, hey, fellas, I want you to know the reason I got you here is I want you to meet the reason why I'm here. It's Jesus. He came by, touched me, made me ever wet whole. He not only healed me physically, he saved my soul. I'm on the way to heaven now, and I just wanted you to meet Jesus. And Lazarus says, I got one I'd like to tell. <laughs> he said, boys, I was four days dead. <laughs> Jesus came out there to where they put me behind the stone. They said, move the stone. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he said, I'm here tonight alive and well because of Jesus himself. Woo. Can you imagine? I'm telling you, that's probably been a pretty good service going on, don't you think? Matthew 26 says there's just a woman that comes. But John 12 identifies her. I want you to see it. You're with me there. John 12, verse three. Then took Mary. I believe that to be Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Here, here comes in to this setting, Mary. Mary comes in and Matthew 26 says she has an alabaster box. Matthew 26 and verse seven says it's very precious ointment. John chapter 12 and verse three says it's very costly ointment. As a matter of fact, John 12 and verse three identifies that ointment as spikenard ointment. Spikenard was a perfume that was raised in the part of the world you and I would know today as India. 
It was a red tinted perfume. It was a perfume that was used for many purposes, but one of its main purposes was it was used to anoint the dead body of a person. It is identified in John 12, 3 as very costly. I want you to see how costly it is. Go to John 12 again. John 12, verse 5. Why was not this ointment, this ointment that she broke open, poured out on Jesus' head, wiped his feet with her hair, why was not this ointment, John 12, 5, sold for 300 pence? You say, what in the world is that, Pastor Raven? 300 pence, 300 pence or 300 pennies, 300 denarius. If you're familiar with the Roman Empire, a pence or a denarius or a penny was basically the equivalent of a one day's wages. So how much did this ointment cost her? It cost her 300. So, so what is that? That's basically 300 days of salary. Would you just agree with me tonight that it's probably that terminology is referring to a year's salary. So, so the ointment she anoints Jesus with is worth what it took her a year to make. Now you think about it in your life. What, what, what's your, no, don't, don't shout it out for us. What's your annual salary? That's how much she spent on it in her economy. Thousands of dollars in our day. Do you understand that the demonstration was this? It was a demonstration that Jesus meant more to her than anyone or anything. See, see, her, her act was an act of worship. It, it was an act of devotion. It was an act of sacrifice. It was an act of adoration. She comes in to that place where Jesus is sitting at the meal and she takes that alabaster box, a very precious, very costly, spite in her ointment, and, and she pours it on his head is what it says in the 26th chapter of Matthew. But, but, but John 12 says that she wiped his feet with her hair. You know why? Because they didn't sit at tables like you and I sit at tables. You know, we think we're probably the smartest people ever lived in the whole wide world. I'm not sure about that. Especially when we started paying off college bills this week. But anyway, go ahead. I won't go there. All right. You know what they did? They laid down and ate. That's pretty smart. I mean, that's my two favorite activities. Laying down and eating at the same time. I mean, they, they prop themselves up on, on, I can't just, they prop themselves up if they were, I don't want to fall off here and break everything I got. But anyway, they, they prop themselves up and if they right hand with the left arm and they ate. So what does it mean? She poured it on his head. It ran down his body. And it was so precious, so costly to her she didn't want a drop of it to hit the ground. So when it got to his feet, she wiped his feet with her hair. You know what she was doing? She was demonstrating her love for Jesus. Yes, sir. She was demonstrating what Jesus meant to her. Listen to me. If you know where John 12 is, it's right after John 11. What happens in John 11? John 11, Lazarus, her brother dies. She didn't bring out the Spiking her to anoint his dead body. 
I believe she probably had bought it for her own burial. But when she realized that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God of all glory, was about to go to the cross and die, she took that alabaster box, broke the neck of it, and poured every bit of it on the body of Jesus because she said, I want you to know, Lord, you're more valuable to me than anything or anyone. What a demonstration. Is he that precious to you tonight? Is he that valuable to you tonight? You'd give, you'd give a year's salary? But I want you to see the second segment of the story. The discouragement. Go back to Matthew 26, would you please? Matthew 26. It says, but when his disciples saw it. Now, now, Pastor Pope, if it said when the Pharisees and the Sadducees saw it, I wouldn't be shocked. If it said when the chief priests and the elders saw it, I wouldn't be shocked. But that's not what it says in verse 8, is it? It says when his disciples. The men who have followed him for three years of their lives. The men who have left all to follow him. Some of them left their occupations. They left their families. And for three years, they, they've been with Jesus. But, but look at what it says, verse number eight. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. That, that word indignation means to be very angry, to be very much displeased. It's interesting, the New Testament written in the Greek language, the Greek language is a very pictorial language. And, and, and the word there, indignation, was used commonly in the day of, of the life of the Lord Jesus to refer to the snorting of a horse. <laughs> so, so get the picture, look at it with me now. Verse 8, Matthew 26, but when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this? What's that last word? Waste. Here's the picture. Mary's over here anointing the body of Jesus for his burial. Mary's over here showing Jesus how much she loves him. Mary's over here. She's saying to the Lord, I adore you above everything and anything and anyone. Here she is worshiping Jesus. And the disciples are standing over there going, why she wasted all that? What she saw as worship, they saw as waste. Wow. Do, do you understand that sometimes what you do in showing your love for the Lord is misunderstood even by Christian people? I have a good church. I've been the member of Beacon Baptist Church over 41 years now. And uh, good people. But you know what I've heard some of those good people say, Pastor? To a young man, a young lady, don't waste your life and go to Bible college. Waste? Waste? 
But, but that's what these, these men are saying. Don't, don't, why was this waste? Look, look at what he says. Look at it. Don't miss it. Verse 9. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. I'll come back to that thought in a minute. But I want you to go with me to John 12. Would you please go back to John 12? We didn't read this verse a while ago when I read the question in verse 5. But look up at verse 4. We're in John 12. We're in verse 4. Then saith one of his disciples. Look at who it is. Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Listen to me. The discouragement that Mary heard, like every discouraging word, has a source. Matthew 26 says they saw it and said, but listen to me, they didn't start it. Judas went over there to Andrew and said, now, Andrew, why didn't they sell that and give that to the poor? Andrew said, I don't know. He said, Thomas, why didn't they sell that and get the poor? He said, I don't know. He said, Bartholomew, why didn't they sell that and get the poor? He said, I don't know. He said, Philip, now, why didn't they sell that and give that to the poor? Every criticism you ever hear has a source. And most of the time, the source fades into the background. Now, I'm, I'm glad that John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now let us know the source. The source is Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. But they all participated. Look, you're there in John 12. I think it's the next verse, verse six. This he said not because he cared for the poor. Isn't that what it says? But because he had the what? He had the bag. Hey, he was the treasure. He had the funds. He had the money. He, he could care less about the poor. Listen to me. Most people that have a critical spirit, they may hide it under some spiritual talk, but the truth is they usually have a carnal reason. I, I mean, I, I can see them. Oh, I, I, I mean, you got, you got a prime example here. I won't, won't take me long. I, I bet you somebody come in the first day when y'all come in this building and said, now, why did they waste all that money and put that fountain there? Did they think we had to have a fountain so we could have church? <laughs> Jesus is a living water. <laughs> hey, listen to me. You say, how do you know that? I've been at the same church 41 years on staff and this pastor, okay? So I just understand people. Hey, listen to me. I learned, I decided a long time ago, if I was going to take care of the house I was living in, I sure was going to take care of God's house. They all said it. They all joined in. Can you imagine? Here she is. She's worshiping Jesus. She, she's letting Jesus know how precious he is to her. She, she's demonstrating her love and adoration and sacrifice and worship 
mind they waste that. I'm glad for the third segment of the story. It's the defense. Look at, you're, you're, maybe you are. If not, go to Matthew 26. I love the first part of verse 10. Would you read out loud with me down to the comma, that first comma? We're going to read it out loud. You ready? Here we go. When Jesus understood it. Wow. Well, what do you understand, preacher? He, he didn't understand what was happening because Jesus knows everything. What, what did he understand? I believe what that phrase says is when Jesus understood that she had heard all she needed to hear. Aren't you glad that the Lord of glory can come to our defense? Yes, sir. When Jesus understood it, look at what he said. Why trouble ye the woman. The word trouble there indicates that their words had been so harsh and so cruel that they now have brought Mary to tears. And then Jesus said, look at it, verse 10, for she hath wrought a good work. Upon me. What a contrast with their words. The word good is the word from which we get our English word beautiful. What the disciples called wasteful, Jesus called beautiful. Can I just say to you, you can never do anything for Jesus that he doesn't take note of it. Nobody else may see it, but he said, if you'll give a a cup of cold water in my name, I'll remember it. Why have you troubled this woman? She has wrought a good work upon me. Look at the next verse, verse 11, because he gets their focus right. He says, for ye have the poor always with you. Now, let me just tell you what Jesus didn't mean by that, and then I'll tell you what he did mean, because I don't want you to misunderstand it. He didn't mean that he didn't care for poor people. All you have to do is a casual reading of the Bible and know that God's always had a place in his heart for poor people. In the Old Testament, when they gleaned their fields, he said, leave it in the corner so the poor folks can come out and get what they need to eat. John the Baptist sent two of his disciples to ask Jesus after he was put in prison, are you the one we should look for or should we look for another? Jesus said, you go back and you tell John. This is what I want you to tell him. You tell him that the deaf are hearing. You tell him that the blind are seeing. You tell him that the dead are raised to life again. And he said, and you tell him that the poor are having the gospel preached to them. I'm telling you, God's got a special place in his heart for poor people. I tell the folks of Beacon Baptist Church every once in a while, I believe God sends us somebody that might have a little money because we're still running the buses and picking up boys and girls and bringing them to Sunday school and telling them about Jesus, people that will never be able to put a dime in the offering plate, but we're buying diesel when it's five and a half dollars a gallon and still picking up those boys and girls. And I believe God knows what we're doing and he's always interested in poor people. So what he didn't say was, I don't care about the poor. He said there, is it, what what verse are we in? 10 or 11? Somewhere along there. 11. For ye have the poor always with you, but look at the rest of the verse. 
but me, ye have not always. This is what I believe he's saying. He's saying, listen to me, fellas. Mary understands this is it. See, Mary understood that if she was going to show Jesus why he was living, how much he meant to her, she better seize that opportunity. He, 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 he said, he said you, you're going to have the poor with you tomorrow, but I'm not going to be here. And Mary understands that if she is going to take the opportunity, she better seize the moment right now. Can I say to you, you and I are not promised tomorrow. But the writer of Proverbs said, boast not thyself tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. Listen, the truth is, the only service I'm promised to be a part of the rest of my life is the one I'm in right now. This is it. Mary seized that opportunity. She, verse 12, makes it clear. She had poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. You have to ask, how did Mary get it when nobody else got it? Can I just suggest to you one reason? She was listening. You know, I tell the people at Beacon Baptist, you can be here, H-E-R-E, and not here, H-E-A-R. She's listening. There, there are three main places we find Mary in the gospel accounts. Luke chapter 10, where she talked about Martha's, you know, Martha's suffering, coming about, and she was saying, you know. Where, you remember where Mary was? She was at the feet of Jesus listening. You, you find her in John chapter 11 when her brothers died and Jesus comes to Bethany. She runs out there to the edge of town and she meets him and guess what? She gets down on his feet so she can hear him. Hey, guess where she's at? At this night, she, she's wiping his feet with her hair. She's listening. She's listening. Could, could it be that you and I aren't doing what we ought to do because we ain't listening? Oh, I know you hear my voice. I, if I'm not loud enough, they put a PA system on me so you make sure you hear me. But have you heard what God said to you? Are you listening? And then Jesus makes that statement. Overwhelming statement to me. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. And here we are. 2,000 years later, 6,000 miles away, she did it in one man's house in a little town that wasn't even a major city in Israel. And here we are tonight, we're still talking about her. Why is that? Because what she did, she did to demonstrate what Jesus meant to her. I don't have time to go through the, all of it in detail, but let me just say this. I believe that that ointment that was poured on his head and went down his body 
I believe that that ointment made its way inside the pores of his skin. And I believe that from that moment to the moment he breathed his last breath, Jesus smelled that spikenard. That, that means when, when he was in the garden in Gethsemane praying and his sweat became his great drops of blood, I believe as he sweated those great drops of blood, he could smell that spikenard. And he thought about Mary. I believe as he went to the Roman governor Pilate and, and then to Herod and then back to Pilate and, and they would flog him and they would beat him with a cat of nine tails. I believe as his body was emacerated, I believe as, as, it, as his skin was ripped off of his back and maybe around his torso, I believe Jesus could smell that spike. I believe as they put that cross on his back and he made his way down the Via Della Rosa, I believe everybody along that crowded roadway there in Jerusalem, I believe that everybody around though, that smells like spikenard. And I believe the Lord Jesus. He was suspended between heaven and earth, breathing his last breath. Because a man didn't die on the cross from bleeding to death. He died from suffocation. He would put himself up on his feet and breathe deep. But when his arms would weary, his feet would weary, he would die, he would drag and he breathe shallow. But with every breath, he thought, there's a woman in Bethany and she loves me. There's a woman in Bethany and she gave me her best. There's a woman in Bethany who worshiped me and adored me and sacrificed for me. And with his last breath, he remembered her. Can I ask you a question? How will you be remembered? Let's bow our heads for prayer, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. God spoke in our hearts tonight. You say, Pastor Raven, the Lord's dealing with me. Oh, he's dealing with my heart tonight. Just as a Christian, I want to be remembered as one who loved him fully, completely, supremely. That's what I want to be remembered as. God's dealing with my heart and I need just to deal maybe with some things in my own life, but that's how I want to be remembered. Pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up about shoulder high? God bless you. Thank you. You can put it down. You say, I, I tonight, Pastor, I'm here and I don't know Christ. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I just know of the Lord, but I've never trusted the Lord. Tonight, I need to know Him. I need to believe on Him. The one who died for my sins, I need to believe on him. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to acknowledge your hand like I did those others. You say, I know I need to be saved. Pray for me tonight. If that's your need. Would you just slip your hand up and just high enough I could see it. Once I see it, acknowledge it. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Anyone else say, that's me tonight. That's me. Would you please stand with me quietly and reverently? Father, I ask you tonight 
help this little one. I don't know that they fully understand, but if they understand they're a sinner and that Jesus is a Savior, I pray tonight be the night they'd be born again. Others that may need to be saved, help them be so. Lord, I pray for those of us that are saved. Oh, may tonight we not just hear the truth, but we may submit ourselves to that truth. And may we simply say to you, Lord, Lord, I love you above everything else and above anyone else. I want to live my life to be remembered as one who loves you fully, completely, supremely. Help us, I pray, oh Lord. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, the piano's playing. God spoke of your heart. You say, that's the way I want, to, I want to live and die that way right there, preacher. I want to live and die being remembered as one who loved God fully, completely, supremely. Won't you just slip from your place, find your place of prayer and say that to the Lord tonight around these altars. Just find your place and say to the Lord, Lord, that's how I want to be remembered. When life is over, when all I have done is finished as far as this world is concerned. Oh Lord, I want to be remembered like Mary. I sure don't want to be remembered like Judas who betrayed you. I sure don't want to be remembered like the disciples who, who criticized her, discouraged her. Lord, I want to be remembered as one who loves you and loves you supremely, loves you completely, loves you fully. Lord, I want you to know tonight, you mean all the world to me. We sang it a few moments ago. Jesus is all the world. Oh, Lord, help us. You need to slip from your place. Maybe maybe you need to deal with sin in your life as a Christian. God's put his finger on something in your life that's keeping you back from loving him like you ought to love him because you're in love with it. John said, love not the world, neither things in the world. Amen, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Maybe tonight you need to deal with something in your own life as a believer. Just say to the Lord, Lord, here it is. You know, I've been loving this thing, but I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you fully. I'm going to love you completely. I'm going to love you supremely. Lord, that's how I want to be remembered. When I leave this world, I don't care if they remember anything else about me. If they remembered, I love Jesus. Well, that's what matters. My grandchildren won't buy my casket someday. I want to remember Papa loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. He showed it. God's spoken to you. You responded. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed tonight. Wow. We've never heard a finer message. We heard from heaven tonight. There's no doubt about that. May we leave here tonight saying, Lord, help me to be well-pleasing, well-pleasing, not just pleasing, but well-pleasing in your sight. While we pause and while folks are still doing business with the Lord in the altar, are there others that need to come? Maybe God has spoken to your heart, but you've not made a move yet. Listen, would you come? Would you come while we wait? If you're here tonight, I know this is mainly our folks here this evening, but if you're here tonight and you'd say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know for sure that I'm saved. Why don't you come? 
we would love to take the Word of God and show you how to get born again tonight. If you're watching by way of live stream this evening, we're so, so glad to have you watching. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we have some people that are standing by the phones right now. They'd love to take your call. If you'll call us right now, we'd love to share Jesus with you. Would you call? Would you call?